Welcome to Who Are You? The Life Lessons of Sports, episode 110. Welcome to Who Are You? The Life Lessons of Sports with your host, Rob Elwood. Join us as we open the door and take an unforgettable journey to unlock the full power of sports on and off the field. Listen to personal stories and reflections from incredible leaders who are sure to move and inspire you. So listen and enjoy another episode of Who Are You? The Life Lessons of Sports. My college coach, Beth Alfred Sullivan at Penn State, gave me a card that said, Life begins at the uh, edge of your comfort zone. And it's so very true that all of the best things you accomplish in life took a little bit more risk than kind of your everyday life. It's not it's not very risky to, to go into work every day and write a paper or write some computer code, but it does take a risk to try something new, whether that's a new forecasting technique, whether that's when I lace up my shoes and go for a run and I have to do a workout and trying to push harder than I've ever pushed before. That's when real achievements and uh, really rewarding experiences take place when you're outside of that comfort zone. Okay, Who Are You Nation? I am extremely honored to introduce our special guest today, Tyler McCandless. Tyler, are you ready to put your game face on and join our team? Absolutely. Well, Tyler, please explain to Who Are You Nation, who are you and what you're up to these days? All right. Well, I am uh, a professional runner. Uh, there are a few of us out there that do make a sort of a living. We'll call it a semi-professional. <laughs> and then I'm also a PhD student in uh, at Penn State University, but I work at a lab in Boulder, Colorado, and I'm studying meteorology with a focus on solar power forecasting. Wow. All right. So the few of the professional athletes that, that are running, but also few people are probably doing what you're doing uh, academically as well. That's impressive. So looking forward to diving into to both of those. But let's first take a professional runner. So when you mentioned that, what does that mean truly? Like I, I get the fact that you run and probably are compensated in some form, but what, what does that mean to those who may not know? Uh, well, professional runner means that you're able to make money off of the sport and the way uh i'm a road racer so i'll run road races that have prize money in it and um depending on how you finish is how much prize money you're able to earn um and then i have a sponsor newton running newton makes a fantastic uh shoe for uh road running for running on the track for trail running and i'm very fortunate that i get to represent them because they're also based in boulder where i'm based very so cool. a professional runner is, you know, a lot of very little glamour and a lot of hard work um, running between 90 and 100 miles a week for probably 50 to the 52 weeks of the year. But uh, the reward is much greater than a lot of other sports because you can't have success without a lot of hard work. So, you know, the patience and the, the dedication of getting out the door every day, most days, twice a day to get the run in pays off when you exceed your expectations and run well on a race. And before we got on the show recording here, you were just telling me you had just gotten off uh, an all-time best, or at least something you were very proud of. I want to make sure that I acknowledge that. Tell us what you were up to just uh, today. Yeah, this past weekend I finished fourth place at the USA Championships over the 25K distance. And in the race, the 
guy who won tied the American record. The person who was second was only a few seconds behind, and the third place was the former American record holder over 10,000 meters on the track. So wow. I had some good company that beat me, so I was pretty proud to finish third, third fourth, I mean. Yeah, congratulations on that. And you. now you're going to have to repeat the degree or the dissertation <laughs> one more time for us because I'm interested and curious more about that as well. What, what is it exactly you're getting your dissertation in? So my PhD will be in meteorology. Okay. And it will be from Penn State University, which is also where I got my bachelor's and master's from, got also it. in meteorology. Um, but the dissertation topic is going to be on solar power, solar radiation forecasting. Interesting. All right. Well, we're setting up for a nice conversation here a little bit later in the show. But to officially put your game face on, Tyler, could you please provide us with a motivational or inspirational quote and how it's applied to your journey so far in life? When I left college, my college coach, Beth Alfred Sullivan at Penn State, gave me a card that said, life begins at the uh, edge of your comfort zone. And it's so very true that all of the best things you accomplish in life took a little bit more risk than kind of your everyday life. It's not, it's not very risky to, to go into work every day and write a paper or write some computer code, but it does take a risk to try something new, whether that's a new forecasting technique, whether that's when I lace up my shoes and go for a run and I have to do a workout and trying to push harder than I've ever pushed before. That's when real achievements and uh, really rewarding experiences take place when you're outside of that comfort zone. It's a great, great quote. What a, what a nice way to get a little parting gift from your coach. Uh, something to always hold on to there. Well, that's really cool. Now, yeah. we're in the moment now where you are in your life, but to get the journey underway, can you take us back where it's just before high school and Tyler, you're, we're looking at house, we're looking at uh, just your regular playground out back, playing with others, and then, of course, what it was like in your family. Could you paint that picture for us back in the pre-high uh, school days, I should say? The beauty of when I grew up, and I'm now 27, but when I was growing up, there were no iPhones or iPads, and you know, our, we had one TV in the living room, and that was rarely turned on except generally to watch, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies play or something like that. Um, I grew up in eastern Pennsylvania, and I was always outside. I was always playing in the backyard, whether it was pick-up games of baseball with my brother and friends or fishing with my family and camping with my family. I was just always very busy, and I was very interested in soccer. Soccer was something I wanted to do even in college. It was a long-term goal to be very good at soccer. Interesting. Interesting. And so Phillies, first of all, Philadelphia. So you grew up in an environment where a huge sports town, of course, and soccer. So did you end up playing soccer in high school? I did play soccer my freshman year JV, sophomore year I made varsity, and I was a bit frustrated with things like playing time and politics and coaching favorites and things like that that kind of come in with any team sport and especially at the high school level when mm-hmm. you know high school coaches are not paid exuberantly you know well for their time so it's a lot of volunteer work and I just I became disillusioned with the sport because like I'm not even playing it as much as I as I want to even though I'm on the team when you go to a competition uh, and you play for five minutes at the end of the game you you don't really feel like 
you're loving the sport that you grew up sticking around with your friends. So at the same time, I was doing track in the spring, and I did track to get in shape for soccer. And my first year, I had good success. My second year, I had even better success. And it's just such a simple sport. Maybe it's the most simple sport because all you need is shoes and shorts, and you can go and run. And I I just love that. I love that there was straight time. You know, if you ran under a certain time, like five minutes in the mile, it was a great feat. You could set goals, and you can work to achieve them and improve. And soccer is not quite as clear cut. And as you've heard a little bit, and you'll hear more, I'm a scientist, so uh, I'm very mathematical. And the the math and running kind of just really clicks with me. Right, right. Well, that's fascinating. So running is part of your future in college, I'm guessing. You go off and participate in track and field, is that correct? I first went to the University of Maryland, and I was running track and cross country there. And I didn't feel as comfortable at Maryland, uh, both academically, athletically. The area I grew up in, eastern Pennsylvania, was pretty rural, and University of Maryland was a little bit uh, too city for me. So I ended up transferring back to Penn State after one year. And it was a great decision. Coach Sullivan at Penn State came on board as the head coach. That year was her first year. And she's one of the most positive people in my life. And I still talk to her uh, to this day frequently. She was the first person to text me after my 25k race. So um, I competed for, I did a bachelor's and master's both in five years. So I was able to compete for Penn State for four, and one year I redshirted, which then I just had to compete without the jersey on. Wow, so academics has always been a strong point uh, for you, or at least the focus, I can tell. Where does this student-athlete approach come from? And I only say that because it's not easy to juggle both, especially in college, to be such a, a high level, I should say, of running and competing. And then, of course, the Division One level. But then also, I mean, these are these are not shabby degrees and areas of focus you're going into. I took one astronomy class, and I I, I think I dropped out. <laughs> I'm going, I said, whoa, 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 what is all this about? Um, but uh, is that just such a core value between you and your family? And where did where did this drive come from? You got a tremendous drive. Well, first, my family is. Uh, amazing. I'm very close with my mom and dad and my brother. They're very positive, supportive people, and they've always encouraged me to follow my dreams. And the they rewarded hard work and success internally. And it was a uh, that was just kind of how I grew up. My dad is a hardworking man, and I loved his integrity and his passion for what um, what he did. Uh, he's in a He's an accountant, but he's also a college wrestler. And uh, the other day, he turned 59 years old, and he just benched 300 pounds for the first time in 38 years. Oh wow! So it's it's pretty, and he's 150 pounds. He's not a big guy. So amazing. Um, I grew up in a family that really led to becoming uh, internally driven. But I'll give you a good example. My fifth year of school, my last semester, I was writing a paper for publication. I was writing my dissertation for my master's. I defended my master's, successfully passed that. I also took the PhD candidacy exams after only four and a half years of school because I knew I wanted to continue the PhD and I had already taken the core coursework. So I took that and I passed um, pretty easily on the first try, which is also pretty hard to do. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, I'm running 100 miles a week 
and I cap off, I scored the Big Ten Championships both indoors and outdoors and end up being All-American in the 10,000 meters on the track. So it was a lot of uh, hard work. I had 12 credits of 500 level that I, I forget if I had a 4.0 or a 3.9. And that was, I was loving every day, absolutely every day. And after I got done with school that semester, I said, um, my advisor actually pulled me into a meeting with myself and four other grad students. And she said that she was taking over as the director of a national center for atmospheric research, a weather applications laboratory. And all of us had positions to continue our PhD. And I was like, I've been to Boulder twice. I love it. It's one of the running meccas in the U S I'm going to move out. Like, but I'm going to take a leave of absence from school. I'm going to focus on running through the 2012 Olympic trials and just really give it a go and be, you know, a full-time professional athlete, even if it's not really like a full-time paying uh, career. But I didn't run as well for two years. I I spent too much time thinking about my runs. My runs weren't as free and as fun. And I finally went back to Sue and my advisor and said, I uh, had a little meeting when we were finishing up some edits to a paper that I was doing on the side. And she said, you know, would you want to come back? And uh, I said yes before I even had time to think about it. Like I was already ready to, to make that step to come back to finish the PhD. And since then, I have been running better. I have thoroughly enjoyed every run now. Um, and it's made a, a huge difference in how I feel about the sport again. And I think I'm just somebody who needs the academic as well as the athletic pursuits and very passionate and you feel like you're working hard. And there's a lot that carries over between running and, um, and academics because you're using your mind in, uh, in a tough way when you're grinding out two hours and 16 minutes in the marathon. That is impressive. I'm afraid to ask this next question because you have been such a busy person, but I always like to reflect and see if there was a first job that you had growing up. And if so, how did that fit into your busy schedule? How do you reflect back on that job? So I think um, the first job I had, I have to say, I only lasted a month at. I was working at Lawn Care Center and selling you know, plants and helping load customers' cars and things like that. And it was uh, it was mostly weekend work, even though it was in the summer. Mm-hmm. And that's when my family would all go fishing. And after a month of it, I was realizing I wasn't going to be spending as much time with my family. And I was only 15 or 16 years old or maybe even 14 at the time. And minimum wage, that I think was like $5.15 an hour. And it's like, oh, I'm not really making anything and I'm missing time with my family. So I, I left that job. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a good experience to to start working that early. And even though it, it I didn't last there that long, getting the experience of what it's like to, to be spending eight hours, you know, on your feet during the day and talking to customers was valuable for my career. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Always good to get that experience at a younger age, but I could see how uh, missing fishing would have taken you off track. There. <laughs> yeah, so, with my family, that's like, you know, special time. So. That's cool. What, what, would you, what would you uh, fish for? Uh, growing up in Pennsylvania, there's a lot of uh, bass fishing, and we had 
a camper that we would take up to this one lake and take our boat out. And I would fish for, if we went camping for a weekend, uh, I would be fishing within 30 minutes of getting to the lake. And I would spend more than half the time there with my, a pole in the water and sometimes leave them <laughs> out overnight to see if I can get anything in the morning. So. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Well, thanks for bringing us back to that time. Now you graduate from college and at that point either people stop participating in their sport if they're fortunate enough to have the opportunity to work hard and become a student athlete but then there's others who move on so like you said it's not that well known that hey you just go become a professional runner so what's happening in your mind at that time when upon graduation how did you learn about opportunities and what did you have to do to pursue those opportunities running's different that you can look at a, a race, say the race I just did was the 25K was all the fifth third river bank run. And you go on the website and you pull up the one tab for awards and it's either an elite athlete tab or a prize money tab. And it says what they offer. And I would do that and I would compare my, my times on the track and how I do it. I believed I could be as an athlete. And I would look down and say, you know what? I could make $500 at this race. I could make a thousand at this one. Uh, you know, I would be out of the prize money on this one. And I just kind of looked around and I thought, you know, if I raced um, these certain races over the course of the year and had a sponsor providing shoes and some bonuses, maybe I could um, do pretty well at it. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a little bit different than a sport, say, like baseball, where there's a lot more money that goes into paying a salary for somebody and there's a salary cap and uh, they're definitely professional sports as opposed to semi-professional, but there's not that, oh, if you finish this in the league, you're going to wind up with X number of dollars. When running, it's pretty simple. You can go on the website and find all that out. Do you remember one of your first races professionally? Yeah, I did a a pretty low-key half marathon in Connecticut, Fairfield, Connecticut. And I finished, I think, fourth and made $200. And I was like... $200. I know. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, wow, I could turn me into a runner at that point. <laughs> yeah. Not really, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. So $200, yeah. first race. And uh, okay, so what's next? I'm just curious. I'm not going to keep going with each one, but now what? You win some money. Uh, you're, you've been doing this. So, like you said, you, you kind of, it's just normal for you to go out there and run. But now there's some money in your pocket. What was next for you? Uh, I signed with an agent. This is after the NCAA season ended. I signed with an agent, and the the agent thought I would be worth a certain amount of gear and potential bonuses from a shoe company. So then once signing with her, then she contacted different shoe companies to see who would be interested in signing me. And then we planned a race schedule that I could hopefully earn prize money at and um, I started racing and then two months later I packed up my little Suzuki SX4 with <laughs> enough belongings to make me last and I moved out to Colorado. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. The Suzuki. Yeah. Uh, that little, you still have the Suzuki by any chance? Oh yeah. There's now almost 50,000 miles on it and I had bought it new before I left, uh, to come out here. So oh, that's cool. It's pretty cool that it's, uh, you know, that's my life since that college. Is- that's great. Well, I'm going to switch topics for a second here, Tyler, as you, I'm sure, had continued success because, of course, today you're continuing to compete. 
Were there any difficult choices along the way? We're all faced with choices all the time. Some we don't think about. Others are just right there in our face and maybe risky at the time. But what was the ultimate outcome of that choice? Do you mind sharing a story with us? Uh, I have a great one. There's a marathon in, on an island in Hawaii called Kauai, and it's called the Kauai Marathon, and it happens every uh, Labor Day weekend. And they offered this $15,000 prize purse for all the men that would break two hours and 30 minutes and all the women that would break 245. Okay. The challenge is they didn't offer any assistance. So a lot of races will pay for elite athletes to come, whether that's $100 or whether that's covering their air for their lodging, everything. And then once you get very good, the top, top of the sport end up getting appearance fee, so they get money just to come. Um, so this race didn't offer anything, but had a big purse. And I talked with my coach, and I was like, you know, I don't think 2.30 for a marathon is going to be hard. It's going to be hot, humid, and hilly, but I'm a runner that I rarely sweat. I feel like I'm very efficient in the heat and humidity. So I was like, I, this is a risk. I could be out, you know, between a $750 airfare and <laughs> housing and a rental car and all that. Um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of money, but I was like, let's give it a shot. And I literally found coupon codes for everything, found a place off of uh, Airbnb and um, made it as cheap as possible. And I ended up winning the race, running 223, um, breaking the course record, and I ended up earning, I think, it was just under $9,000 for the win. Um, so it was it was a great experience. But what I didn't realize was going to happen was how much I fell in love with Kauai and the community. So... I, I came back the next two years, and I've won it the last, well, now three years in a row. And last year, I started doing some outreach and going to schools and giving presentations on health and wellness and um, my running experiences. And this year, I decided I'm not going to run the full marathon. I'm going to run the half marathon. I'm going to set a goal of breaking an hour and five minutes, which the, the, no, the reason between an hour and five is that's the cutoff for making the Olympic trial. Mm-hmm. And I've already qualified to compete in the marathon with my marathon time and the half marathon time, but it's not humid and hilly there. So running an hour and four and change there is going to be very difficult. And I want to show the kids that if you set a goal for something, you can still achieve it. So I'm trying to raise money through a website called Charity Bets uh, to, for me to achieve that goal. And I'm going to use all the money I raised to help start a youth running program and a youth health and wellness program on the island. And I'm partnering with an organization here that's a nonprofit that I volunteer a lot of time with called Healthy Learning Path that um, teaches or empowers kids to lead a healthy life through nutrition, through sleep, through exercise, the whole um, body approach. So I've gotten the Kauai Marathon staff on board. They are excited. They want to make a positive difference. Healthy Learning Path wants to make a positive difference. And I want to get back to a community and an island that's been very good to me. So, you know, I took this risk, and I was looking at the finances of it, and it turned out to be kind of a life changer for me that I'm able to give back to a sport that's done a lot for me and hopefully um, create a positive impact to some kids on the island that, would never have that experience otherwise because, you know, they are a thousand miles off, you know, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. 
Well, I'll say Kauai, what a beautiful place. Extremely nice people, at least from my limited experience being out there. But I can see how one could fall in love out there. And so nice of you to, to be doing this. It's great, actually. And I wish you continued success with the program and to get the sponsors behind it and everything else. It's really cool. It's really cool. Thank you. I think our sport led you, leads you to be able to give back directly while you're doing it. And I, I hope I can, you know, I hope this is very successful, but I hope I can inspire some other runners that say, you know what, I want to give back in X, Y, or Z way, and I'm going to create, you know, this nonprofit or I'm going to work with this nonprofit and make a positive difference. Right, right. Oh, good for you. Good for you. I know that uh, sounds very important to you in your life. Well, again, best of luck there and really appreciate that story and reality that that's happening. So here you are. You are in the beginning of the show mentioned that you run up to 90 to 100 miles per, per week. Yep. Okay. Uh, I just actually added it up in the last 16 months. I have missed 10 total days of running. All of which were one. One was unscheduled. I was really sick when I did a race in Italy. Uh, I got some nasty flu bugs. But the other one was a traveling overseas, a planned day off after a race, and a planned week off after a peak race. And then, as a whole, over those sixteen months, I've averaged eighty-nine point something miles per week. Wow, that's incredible. So. Where's that drive come from now? Like, don't don't take this the wrong way. I want you to be very. I I I wish I had that drive sometimes. Of course, sometimes I wish I don't. Uh, but that's a that's a sincere drive. And and what do you think it is? Because you've heard of these runners high, and I, well, when I say you, meaning the general public, I've heard of it. Uh, you I often hear about it's just it's just in your blood. But to go and commit that amount of time each week, and to be so precise with it as well. Um, how do you do it? I just got to come out and ask. <laughs> uh, I think you answered your own question. You yeah. were saying how much effort it takes and yeah. how much drive and determination. Well, that's how great the reward is. It's not like if you were in soccer and you were playing right wing and you got the ball at the perfect time and you tapped it and it went in, you scored the game winning goal, you know, your team's all excited. That's wonderful, and that's a great experience, and you can cherish that. But when you put a lot of time and energy into a race or into multiple races, and you achieve a goal that you set out, something you have never done before, and you're outside of that comfort zone, Mm -hmm. that feeling, that euphoric feeling, is something that it's nobody can take it away from you. You can't. Uh, you'll never forget about it. If you have a dream at night, you're dreaming of that feeling again. Hmm. And the second part of it is I just love it. I love being able to run. I love uh, running with good friends. This morning I ran with a friend who I met off Twitter, and we we run together about every other week or two. And uh, I have some great training partners, Brent Vaughn and Stephen Piper, have become really good friends because if you share the same trails and the same roads for an hour or two each day for most days of the week you're you're just having conversation you're not also on the computer or also on your phone you're just having conversation and you become really good friends um through that so i love i love that i love that that feeling you get when you when you have a good run and you succeed in hitting your goal yeah 
That's that's incredible. That's great. No, congrats on that. And you're right. It's effort. It definitely is effort and it's drive because I'm not saying we all have it in us that to run at your pace and physically maybe not at those distances, but to get up and off the couch and just go do something and anything. That is just, that's your mind. That's up to you. So uh, we could take that as far mm-hmm. as we want or as short as we want. I think you're right. Now, any uh, timeouts along the way? I have two last parts of the show here where I like to ask a timeout as well as overtime. Overtime, we're going to have some fun. But a timeout would be a moment where you, during your professional career here, uh, running, and, of course, uh, you know, going after the, the, your Ph.D., any time where you really just had to take a serious timeout, and by that I mean formulate a plan about what was going to happen next because something wasn't working right, or just simply change the momentum that was going up against you. I know you mentioned something about going back and, and speaking with one, I think it was your former coach, uh, if that's correct. Was there anything that, that it was just it was just kind of you, a story about you? Um, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a harder time. We just talked about how passionate and excited I am about the sport and how much I, you know, love getting out the door each day. Well, you can also go too far and you can do too much training. <laughs> right, and right. I was kind of doing a bit too much and uh, with the sport of running, it's not like playing too much um, basketball. You can kind of affect your your endocrine system and I was just fried. I I couldn't race. My results were really bad it was hard to get out the door each day. And, uh, I decided I'd wear a heart rate monitor and take two weeks off, wear a heart rate monitor and then make sure I wasn't running too hard. Right. Well, it turned out the heart rate monitor was telling me I was beat, my heartbeat was like 200 beats per minute right as soon as I'd start running. And I immediately called the doctor and was like, what's going on? And I went through a whole series of tests. Did like the stress test that you hear about your grandparents going through to check their heart and, um, I was really afraid of what was seriously wrong. And it turned out that I have, and it's common actually with a lot of runners, there's a bradytachycardia heartbeat, which is kind of two waves overimposed on each other. And it doesn't, it's completely safe. There's no issue with it. But that in combination with probably having large lungs created the heart rate monitor to pick up secondary beeps. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't an issue. It was a, an issue with the heart rate monitor. So I went through all these tests that paid a lot in medical bills to find out that I was perfectly okay. Right. But during that time, it was pretty hard because I wasn't able to really enjoy the sport that I loved so much. And I was unsure when I first went to the doctor, they were like, Oh, we might need a pacemaker. And I'm like, I'm 24, 25 years old. Why do I need a pacemaker? Oh, um, and it, it all turned out fine. But when I came back to the sport, I had this renewed sense of purpose that it was just something I loved. And I was so thrilled to be able to, to do it when, you know, other people aren't as fortunate for whatever health reasons. And, um, it, that was a really trying time. And I think everyone at some point has to go through an issue like that. I'd, I've been very lucky. I'm a pretty durable athlete. So what I don't have in talent in terms of your VO2 max or my raw speed is absolutely terrible. I have in passion and durability. So if I can continue to put a weeks, months and years together, you can become a very good athlete just through consistency. So, um, it was nice 
it was very refreshing once I went through that hard time to be back and be excited about making a comeback. And I've been uh, relatively on fire for the last two years since that. Oh, great. That's nice to hear. Get a little, uh, get a little kickback there, like on fire. I love that word. And then, yeah, but what a, what a scary couple weeks there. And, uh, anybody telling me I need a pacemaker, I don't care what, where I am in my life, but that young, wow. That would, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, definitely throw me off. Well, I'm going to, I said I was going to go into overtime, but I got to take advantage of this question, which is your to-do list. You, I get effort, I get organization, but I mean, you're studying a lot. I want to know, I love to know what where where you're heading with the the degree and the PhD and what your plans are there but as we answer that question how do you get all this done because sometimes effort doesn't actually do it for you it's strategy and it's uh, consistency where do you just use but how do you get this done and then what are you going to be doing with your PhD how do I get it done is all about time management um, I'm also fortunate or unlucky, however you want to put it, that I don't yet have a wife or kids. Mm-hmm. And that's another whole level of busyness that I will eventually hopefully have. Right. Um, so, but time management is really the key. And that's what I was, I was able to be successful in college because I didn't waste time playing video games and things like that. I was working and uh, whether that was working out on the trails or whether that was working on coursework or on my computer programs, whichever, um, I manage that time efficiently. And then what do I see going forward with my career? Uh, solar power forecasting is a very interesting topic as a meteorologist. There's a lot of topics you could have. I use the analogy of I was studying ice growth in the Arctic. You know, I, it's not very applicable to real life, but this is completely applicable. I have solar panels on my house and it's, exciting that we are as a country moving towards more renewable. So if I stay with, um, with meteorology in terms of business, I'd like to look at like utility companies and maybe staying with the national lab and improving forecasting between wind and solar. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really love and I'm very passionate about giving back to the running community and uh, healthy learning paths, the organization I'm uh, helping partner with for the climb marathon. I've, I do a lot of volunteer work for some race, uh, a race here, and I would love to expand upon that and teach more science and technology to kids as well as inspire them on the field because kids need more positive role models. And I think I would be a good role model for kids and something I would love to do. So I'm kind of leaving options open in terms of what I want to do after I graduate, but um, I want to be able to say when I retire that, I empowered people to make a difference in their lives and the community around them and not, you know, I made X number of dollars doing Y job, right. you know. So I definitely want to set myself up in a year or two that I'm on a path to, to be doing that as my full-time career. Got it. Well, I'm really uh, proud of you there, Tyler. That's, uh, that is very um... – just it's just it's honorable to to have that in your mind right now that that's what you're going to set out to do and to take two loves uh, that you're working on right now to combine them together and then to give back to children and to others who need that opportunity and role models like you mentioned huge applause for you really because we need more of that out there and I like your mindset I like the way you approach things and so it'd be you'd be touching a lot of very fortunate people out there 
So keep keep going with that, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. It really is. It's it's uh, it's it takes me a while sometimes to communicate my thoughts, just because that's that's what this show is all about. I mean, what are we doing ultimately? And we all have our own drive, but what are we doing with our talents and efforts and helping to spread the good word? And you are definitely doing and or planning your part. So good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks. Yeah, of course, of course, great stuff. I love it. So. Over time, I'm going to ask you a couple questions here to challenge uh, you and your pop culture a little bit, but also learn a little bit more about you. Number one in overtime is, other than running, you're not allowed to say that, so other than running, do you have a healthy, or studying, healthy or constructive habit that you do on a daily basis uh, that you could share with all of us? Well, a daily basis. Um, could be weekly. Could be, you know, you're, you've got a lot uh, squeezed into one day, so I, I'll give you some wiggle room here. <laughs> Okay. All right. My wiggle room then would be, uh, I love fly fishing. Yep. So I have some buddies in Denver and we'll, uh, we're actually going to make a trip to the Bighorn River. We've done it two years. I've done it two years in a row. This will be my third year. My dad is going to fly in for Pennsylvania and join as well. There's something very pure about, I tie my own flies. So you tie your own fly and then you, uh, fly fish for it and you catch a, a trout and, you know, an amazing river in Colorado. And it's just like, it's very pure. It's very in nature and kind of zen. So mm. that's that's my way of kind of getting uh, getting relaxation and is either fly fishing or tying the flies, thinking about my next fishing trip. Uh, that's cool. What a beautiful place to do that. You ever see bears out there? I have, but not while fishing. Okay. Um, I've seen moose, but. No bears. Yeah, moose. Beautiful creatures. Absolutely beautiful. Well, that sounds just ideal. Very cool. I'll take that. I'll take that constructive habit <laughs> any day. <laughs> Great stuff. So if I were to ask you, what did you wish you knew then that you know now? Then is uh, it's up to you when that time period is. Do you have an answer for that? Um, well... I did know it, but it kind of came late. I would say when I first came into the sport of running, there's a lot of people who put in, maybe it's paid time, but a lot of volunteer time organizing the race, helping the elite athletes get to the, to the start, to the finish, the airport, et cetera. And I was always very thankful. And I always sent an email afterwards. And then I realized, you know, this isn't, isn't quite right for the amount of time that they put into making our experience well and making our sports and professional. I started, I create my own thank you card with my picture on it and uh, personalized and then I, I handwrite it and I, it, sometimes it takes a while to find the right place to send the thank you card to afterwards, but that's part of the work. And just sending a handwritten thank you card and maybe some local coffee or uh, another thank you gift to just say, hey, you you helped make this event special for us and for the runners, and I want to just take my time as a little, you know, simple five or ten dollars thank you for all your work. So something I I wish more runners knew when they first graduated college that if you're now on your own and you have to compete without your school rep, without representing your school, right. and now you know it's up to these race directors of if you're on the track, what heat you're going to get in or if they're able to give you any compensation in terms of travel and, you know, make the opportunity for you to make a little bit of a living off of it. And it's great to just thank them for it. And, um, very important piece of the sport that 
everyone should know. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It, it's so it's a responsibility. Number one, I, I believe that. I'm glad that you've recognized that and are spreading the good word here. And number two is it's so rare to actually get a handwritten note these days that what an impact <laughs> it makes. And and like you said, it's just a five dollar gift card to hey go enjoy a whatever on us a, a juice or a coffee or whatever it is on me. And and to, actually, it's incredible. You get immediate feedback. And I know whenever I open something up like that, it, it's a wow moment. So keep up that mm-hmm. and thanks for spreading that out because it's it's so it's too easy these days like the emails are great i get it but taking that time to sit down and write something it, it takes some concentration and focus so you could tell how much goes on at the other end when you receive it well i just yep. handed you a baseball bat and put you in a major league baseball uniform and then we're gonna test your knowledge of music here what is the music that's playing over the loudspeaker your walk-up song as we like to say to get you in the proper mindset to face the pitcher. Cool. Um, uh, maybe uh, Elton John's uh, Allentown, the okay. song on the the area that I grew up in. I grew up. I I say I grew up in Allentown. I was actually twenty five minutes or thirty minutes outside of town, but nobody knows of more township, so Allentown's the closest. <laughs> but just bringing me back to back to my roots of where I grew up and my wonderful family and uh, friends at Northampton High School. Nice. Nice. Well, it's uh, being in a good place is key to getting in the right mindset. So I like that choice a lot. How about a, how about a book that you've read recently or one that's just a favorite you'd like to recommend to who are you nation? Oh, this was recommended by both my college coach as well as a former college teammate. Uh, the Power of One by mm. Bryce Courtney. Mm-hmm. A phenomenal read about uh, a kid who was kind of abused that ended up wanting to become the welterweight champion of the world in boxing. And just his struggles as well as his successes. And the book is beyond inspirational. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's really amazing, actually. Until I started doing these interviews, and it wasn't until later on, there's been a few people who brought up that book, so I have purchased it. I'm sitting there staring at it. I just got to open it up, but it's well worth it, huh? Yeah, I've read it multiple times, and it's probably the only book I've read multiple times. Oh, cool. All right, I'm diving in. That's all I needed. Thank you for that and sharing that. Now, if you were the host of the show, who are you? The Life Lessons of Sports. Tyler, who would be your first guest and why? Oh, my... uh... Um, I would say that my first guest would be uh, my college coach, Beth Alfred Sullivan, because she has an incredible way to stay positive. And it's not just all fluffy bunnies with, you know, a college team and if somebody runs poorly, you just, you know, saying, oh, you did great. Right. It was <laughs> honest and true and um, made you love the sport. I I know when I left college, I sent her a thank you that said, you know, every single day I came to practice, I loved the sport more than when I left or when I came in that day for practice. And that's it's a very powerful sentence that's completely true. And that's what a great coach is. And I wish there were more coaches uh, in the country, in all sports, especially at the middle and high school level, that let kids 
be inspired by the sport and realize a positive difference you can make uh, with your teammates, with spectators, with everybody around you through that sport. Mm. It's such a valuable platform to educate and to play that role, and it's needed. It's definitely needed, open communication. I like the way you put it, and not saying that all coaches are like this, but I mean, honest feedback these days, as you know, Tyler, it's hard to get. It's hard to get uh, face-to-face, number one, and uh, usually it's an email or a text message if we're going to go with the typical norm, and that's just not the best way to communicate at all, and I think sports is a great way to practice that, uh, either as a coach or as a player. So that's a really good answer, and it sounds like she would be a phenomenal uh, guest on the show. So thank you. I know you mentioned your own and what you're doing, but any other charity or foundation that you would like to acknowledge or support, uh, at least acknowledge or announce your support for on the show? Um, yeah, the two that I've kind of mentioned is the Kauai Marathon is a nonprofit and gives a lot of money back to the community and then healthy learning path. So I put, uh, time and effort in and actually just left a meeting early to, for this interview. Oh, thanks. Um, because they want to make a, a better experience for the, the runners of the 5K that they're doing and empower more kids through the, the race. So those are two that I, I really get behind. Great. We will have those on your show notes. I really appreciate you bringing those up. And uh, last question here before we say our uh, adieus here, but where can we connect and follow you? Um, Tyler, I'd love to know and keep track of all your progress. Are you a social media person? I am very into social media. Actually, going back to a question you said about um, what do you wish I would have known then that I know now, yeah. social media is huge. Yeah. Uh, social media is, that's how you can really connect with a diverse group of people. Um, so I'm very active on Twitter. My handle is TrackTie, uh, even though I don't really race as much on the track anymore. Uh, I created that during my fifth year of school. I'm also on Facebook. I have both an athlete and a personal page. Um, and my website is my name.com, you know, That is neat getting used to and becoming efficient at social media. It's not, it's not easy, but once you nail it, it's good stuff. So we will have all of those listed on our website as well, Tyler. So thanks so much for that. Now I did say I, that was my last question, but I misspoke. I do have one last question for you, but before I ask it, Tyler, I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show. You are doing wonderful things out there and you're backup and current plan, I'm not even going to call it a backup plan, but your current plan of continuing to race, but also utilize what you have done and what you're learning to help others is extremely admirable. So I would like to welcome you, Tyler, to the Who Are You Nation team and personally congratulate you. Uh, I appreciate it. Those are kind words. Well, very much, very much. Need, need more Tylers out there. So Tyler, I did say I have one last question for you, and here's where we go exclusive access behind the scenes and find out one more thing about your life. Do you have a story you could share with us, something that if your friends and family maybe know, but if somebody else doesn't ask you that you're around, then they're just never going to know no matter how long they know you, Tyler. What would be a story to help us learn a little bit more about you and your experiences? My grandfather asked me, oh, what was your workout today? Just making small talk. And I said some workout, and I think I had done like 400-meter repeats or 800-meter repeats. And, you know, I said the times and not that they would have mattered, you know, to him. But he then replied with, I wish I could have done that. And my grandmother, you know, laughed and said, oh, Pappy, you couldn't have 
he couldn't have kept up with Tyler. And he like looks up and he thinks and he goes, no, but I could try like hell. Who are you, Nation? Our guest is ready to go inside the locker room. Are you? Gain exclusive access to the story as well as those from all of our guests. Visit whoareyousports.com where there is a page dedicated especially for all of our listeners at Who Are You Nation. Until next time, please remember both in sports and in life that it's not all about the scoreboard so much as it is about our dedication to becoming a better teammate, healthier person, and adopting an efforts over results mindset.